This is CliffCentral.com. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel, who's in a great mood, my Claire. Welcome, Lionel. Thank you very much, Gary. And to our listeners, uh, to today is Tuesday again, the Laws of Life. Yes, we are live. Joburg, Rivonia Studios, and thank God we have another guest in the studio. Well, uh, Lions, last week we hosted Saul Smith. Oh, yes. And we spoke about labor law matters, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be extremely interesting. We've had a, a a lot of feedback from that, and people have sent in questions to us. So I said, Saul, please come back. Uh, you've got some more work to do. So um, Saul's agreed to rejoin us today to answer your questions and to chat about some of the other issues that are making headlines oh, and yeah. trending right now. So it's going to be a goodie. Oh, and it's going to be Welcome, a very Welcome, Saul Smith. Thanks, Gary. Thank you for having me. Our email address, if you want to send stuff in to us, and I hope you do, law, L-A-W, at cliffcentral.com. Our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. And Lance, you want to do Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter, it's at Hetzlaw, uh, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. Cool. Um, so let's fire away. Uh, we have questions straight into that, it, huh? straightforward that came in. I'm just going to read them to you as I have them. First question. I've hired a young man in my business, and he doesn't seem to be able to do what his CV says he can do. Ha. Huh. One of those. I'm scared to fire him because I'm unsure of the law. Can you guide me? Well, we know about all these high-profile cases. Um, no. I use, uh, <laughs> but yeah, fake qualifications and don't don't But before the the lawyer obviously answers, Gary, let, let's just try to dwell into this. If somebody says they are going to be doing something according to the CV and are unable to do that, do you just really have to get rid of them, or do you first just try to make it a point that you give them at least they leave them through the probation period and see if then they do um, succumb or adjust to the new environment that they find themselves in and take okay, it well, from there? Let's ask Saul Smith of Dewey Hertzberg Levy, that's my law firm, to answer that one. Saul, where are we on this? Great. Um, so, some guy arrives with a CV that's golden. Mm-hmm. And it says he's got a matric and he's the head of the SABC. And then they found out he doesn't have a matric. And he walks. He, he, nothing happened to him. So that sets a pretty bad precedent for the rest of the country. Weirdly, that's not really how it works on the floor. Okay. At the top, maybe that's how it works. But if, if you're hired to do a job based on your CV and your CV is not entirely accurate, mm-hmm. that's dishonesty. And I had a matter like this quite a while ago where a young woman had a, had a CV she was she was already employed in sort of a an administrative type of position but her CV actually said that she was able to work certain um, graphic software and and she'd rated herself quite highly well the the, the CV rated her she said she had very high competency in uh, those three or four different programs I don't remember what they were and uh, the company said, well, this is great. We've actually opened a new division or a new little department where we can put this woman who's because her CV says she can do this, walk in the park. She says, this is her expertise. You know, a lot of people end up in jobs that they're not 
that they don't want to do, but they do them because you need work. So she'd landed up in an admin position, and they found a position that fitted her CV perfectly. So they gave her the job. And, uh, you know, obviously people get rusty. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't do something for a while. You sort of lose the skills a little bit. But things come back to you. Things often, it's like riding a bicycle. The first, you know, you get back on the bike, you fall over a few times, but mm-hmm. then you, you remember, oh, well, that's how I, that's how I format that. Oh, and yes. that's how I compress that. And I remember how to do this, you know, so you, 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 You'd obviously allow for some sort of a teething period, yeah. you know, just to get back into the groove. Sorry, how long is the teething period? Well, it, I guess it depends. It's okay. it's it's very um, very subjective. It could okay. it could be depending on how technical the thing is and depending on uh, okay. on what's required of the position. But if it's three months, is it is three months okay? That's interesting. Well, three months generally, a, a, um, when someone's employed, there's there's sort of like a standard. Like a standard probation period of three months. Yes. It can be more, but generally it's about three oh, months. Okay. Um, but that's probation. That's when you've brought someone on from word go, and they've got three months to see whether they fit your culture, whether they are right for the job, to see, you know, just to to get a feel. Um, interestingly, in Botswana, you can be dismissed at any time during your probation period for with with no process. Wow. But in South Africa, it's really not like that. The probation period just means that the the onus on the company or the employer is a little bit less than it would be after the probation period. So during that probation period, you still have to go through the counseling and you ha- still have to, if, if there's misconduct, you still have to have that inquiry. You still have to follow all those procedures. But it's a little bit less onerous. Okay. You, you've, you've got a little bit more leeway. Um, Let's hear what happened to the... the oh, right. Yeah. Um Sorry, a little bit sidetracked. Yes. So, so she, they, they allowed her two months because they, they saw that she was kind of struggling with a few things. And after two months, they realized that she actually was unable to do the job. Mm-hmm. She couldn't do it. She, she really, she didn't understand formats. She didn't understand layers. It was a whole load of things that she didn't really understand. Had she lied on her CV? Well, that's, that's what they were, that's what they were, Considering that they thought, well, there's two things that it could be. She could just be bad Mm. at the job, or she she represented falsely. She she said, I I can do this, and she clearly couldn't. Mm. So they monitored her for another month. So this is now a whole three. She'd been there for a whole three months. um, These guys struggling to hold her up and keep her afloat and support her and all the rest. And eventually, they decided that there's no way that. that she has what her CV says she has. Mm. So they institute disciplinary action for uh, uh, dishonesty, misconduct in the form of dishonesty, in that she had lied on her CV. Um, Her defense was that she had rated herself on the CV, that she could do all these things, and it wasn't like someone else had rated her. She, She had rated herself as able to do all these things on her CV. I don't think that's a very good defense because I, I can't go to an engineering firm and say, well, I'm, I'm an expert on building dams. Hmm. I am. I, it's it's got to be an objective thing, surely, Saul. It's what the reasonable man would yeah. regard as, 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 as good. Yes, yeah, clearly. But just to throw in the mix, yeah. let's say I do very well school-wise, but then mm-hmm. when it comes to the implementation of the theory, where I get into a working environment and I don't perform as well as I did theoretically, 
would that be also an objective? Because there are some people who are actually very good with the theory, but when it comes to the application of the theory, where they go into the working environment, you'd find that there is... I think, yes. I think your question's well-founded. I think if you can show your qualifications, so yes. that's, that's what you are saying on your CV. Mm-hmm. I am an attorney, mm-hmm. well, or I have an LLB. That's your qualification. Yes. You, you've, you've got a piece of paper, yeah. it's stamped, the university says you did this, yeah. you've got it. Yeah. No one can say you don't have that. Yes. You do have it. So that wouldn't be dishonesty. What we're talking here is about experience. Assuming I, as an LLB or whatever I am, come along and say I'm an expert in maritime law, which I'm not. It's a very specialized field of law. And I put it on my CV and I go and get a job near the coast where they use those kind of lawyers. Um, It's a lie, an obvious lie. I don't have the experience. That's what we say. Yeah, I I don't actually have – I've got the – I may have the the – well, I have a, I have an, a legal qualification, yeah. but it doesn't really incorporate uh, maritime. Yeah, so all you can yeah. say on your CV is, I have a legal qualification, but yeah. I can't say, I have a legal qualification and yeah. I'm an expert in maritime law. I think, Saul, if I may put this one to you, assuming somebody comes along and says, I'm very good at, I'm, 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 I'm a great typist. I can type 85 words a minute. Isn't it my duty to test that person? No, they've told you, and, and you, you, if they've put it in their CV, and they and they can only do forty-five minutes. Well, then they're much slower, they're than, much slower. than what they said they were. Yeah, um, it's not up to you to to test every applicant that walks through the door and, and go through every CV and say, "Is this true? Is yeah. this true? Is this true?" Yeah. I think if someone represents to you yeah. that that they have X skill, mm. and they say it on their CV, "I have X skill." You must accept. You have to accept, accept it, it. You co- yeah. because if you don't, then you could be. You know, I, I think where people are getting into trouble is they buying false and fake certificates very often, mm-hmm. which are very easily obtainable. Mm, I think that there is quite a quite a, a propensity of of these sort of pay as you pay as you go colleges. Mm-hmm. But isn't that the, uh, the 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 responsibility of the employer to really verify that? Because I. I would assume when you go for an interview, they do the verification, the tax, uh, the security clearance, they verify your qualifications if they are correct. And if then you don't do that and you employ somebody, doesn't that rest with you, that risk well, as an employer? How far do you have to go? I think you have to uh, cover all the specs because your HR department should actually have the policy in place to simply say that if we find that uh, charisma or Lionel can actually uh, has actually satisfied us through the interview. Let's just verify if he does have the qualifications, if which is what we find in this SABC and so forth. Surely, if you if you are coming forward with with a with an LLB yes. or an MBA, whatever it may be, or a BCom, which you haven't seen yet, and you haven't, which I haven't seen of yours, <laughs> and you say that you are an MBA, and I afterwards find out that your MBA was falsely. That certificate is false. Mm-hmm. You will be dismissed. There's no doubt about it. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie. It's not. I mean, we go to the trouble mm-hmm. as employers of checking things out, but we're not obliged to. I but mean, uh, on face value, I, I can accept. I should accept that it's valid. But yes, so you agree with me? You, you don't have to hire a private investigator to dig into every single potential employee. Yes. And also, you've got to remember that not all companies even have HR departments. Mm. 
you know, you, you've got in South Africa, we've got a huge array of company sizes. You've got from SMEs, small, know, medium, all to large entrepreneurs. Yeah. yeah, some companies are ten, ten people wide. Yeah. It's just ten guys doing a, doing a job, and they want one more person. They don't have an HR department. They don't have the time to go do crawl checks and IMEs and all those checks. What on about people. domestic employers? They they don't have the wherewithal to check people out. If somebody comes along and says, "I have a first aid certificate." I must mm. accept that. Mm. I, I haven't got the wherewithal to go and you know, follow up and check. But I, I would really, as a parent, because my interest lies in making sure that my family is protected, I would actually want to really see the person and ask them, how do you actually um, help somebody? How do you do um, CR or CPR? CPR, for example, sorry, yeah. Or if a child is drowned, what do you possibly do? And, if a child and would, is choking, and would what you, do you know do? any better? I probably would know if, better if because I, if I sat here and said, "Well, if I was going to do CPR, well, you don't do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation because that's old hat. We don't do that anymore. All you do is 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 you pump the you, you pump the chest. That's yeah. all you do. Yeah. Would you accept my answer? No, I wouldn't. You'd have to because you don't know better. What happened to the girl in that yeah. case okay. you were telling yeah. us about? Oh we, uh, yeah. well, we we did this. We I I recommended that she be dismissed because she had. Been dishonest on her CV, and they'd put her into this position based on the strength of her CV. Mm. And they said, "Well, this girl can do this job." It wasn't a very; it was a junior um, um, type of work. Yeah, a a junior designer or something like that. So it wasn't a very complex position. And she, according to her CV, it should have been cakewalk for her. Yeah. And and we found that her her CV was false. So she was dismissed, yeah. and that was that. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. just mere puffing. You know the difference between puffing and, and lying. She hadn't just said, "Well, I can do a little bit," so I'm just going to tell them I can do a lot. A lot. Yeah. yeah she clearly was completely but, out of her depth. Sorry, I just want to ask this question as well because we know that we've got a high um, rate of unemployment in our country, yes. and everybody wants to be employed. Yes. And in so far as making sure that my CV stands out, obviously I'm going to try and over decorate. Some of the content Just so that people can The potential employer Can prefer my CV Over somebody else So isn't that also One way of making it a point That employers themselves Have got the The responsibility To make it a point That maybe see Every other person Because I might actually Be bad in terms of uh, Painting a beautiful picture Using words But able to do the work But overlooked for an interview Because my CV Doesn't necessarily Speak to the content Of what you want to hear Mm. Hmm. So, in in larger companies, when they advertise a position, in fact, in any company, if you advertise a position, no matter where, you're going to get a thousand, two thousand CVs. They're going to flow in like like hotcakes. It's just, just well, I think hotcakes go out, don't they? What flows Water. in? Water. What? Yeah, just a deluge yeah. of a deluge of of CVs. They just yeah. come through, and it's. At least 80% of them are probably completely wrong for the job. It's just mm-hmm. someone who really, it's so desperate. We'll take any job. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, I've, I've been there. You've probably been there. We've all kind of been there. You, you, you're just struggling to get some, some cash in. You need a job and you'll, you'll grasp at anything and you'll say, I'm actually a competent person. I may not have the skills that you need for this position, but I could probably learn them in a couple of weeks. I, I can do the job. Those CVs won't be looked at. Mm. They just they go into the inbox and into the trash. Maybe they're stored for future, but it's very unlikely because who wants to dig through a hundred thousand old CVs? 
That's so, why the CV has to be accurate. It, 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 it has to be because we don't have the time. And brief. Yeah, and brief. A one-pager. No one wants to look through six pages of, of I'm interested in football and I like to read. And when I was 17, I was a prefect at my high school. And no one wants to read that. They want to say, well, this person is, A, do they fit our, our, our economic empowerment program? Mm-hmm. That's step one. Yeah. And B, have they got the experience and have they got the skills? Wow. So you, you, you've literally got a checklist. If you, you go through five years here, cool, good. I'm going to phone that person and see how good they were. Five years at this other place, I'm going to phone that person and see how good they were. Yeah. And then you're done. You, you don't want to go through pages and pages of crap, which is why maybe, maybe decorating your CV too much may be a negative. Okay. Perhaps if you push it too far. Let's move on, Sorley, to... Um, I know that was a bit off topic. No, that's yeah. good. It's good stuff. It's good advice. Another question, because I don't want to run out of time like we did last week. I believe my domestic worker has a drinking problem, but she denies it. If I get her breathalyzed, would this help to dismiss her? And can I compel her to two-in-one? Can I compel her to take the breathalyzer? Ooh, now that's a hard one. Yeah. What do you think, Lon? Well, mm, um, I think an employer should... Because I'm the employer, okay, the employer should force the employee to take a breathalyzer or recommend that they do take a breathalyzer because at the end of the day, you are employed to do a certain job and I suspect that you might actually not be doing your job to the best of your ability as a result of uh, alcohol or any th- other substances that might actually be regarded as illegal for that particular I think job. this, this particular a listener has a serious problem here. No, certainly. Because uh, their kids, probably kids involved, they usually yes. are. And the domestic worker could be drunk on duty. It's a serious it's concern. A serious pro- yeah, yeah. It's a serious concern. So let's talk about so, it. Can I get her breathalyzed and would this help to dismiss her? And can I compel her to take the breathalyzer? Alcohol is a bit of a complex problem because if someone drinks and they're they're drunk they're incapacitated mm-hmm. so it's a capacity issue is it not it's a, it's an ability to do the job issue but drinking on the job may actually be misconduct if you have a rule in the workplace in your homes and no you, you may not drink liquor while you're in in my workplace and someone goes ahead and does it well that would be misconduct but if they just you know have a couple of beers in the morning before I get to work, get to work. Can I still do the job? Maybe I can, maybe I can't. People have different uh, abilities. What is the legal issue here? Is the legal issue you, you cannot drink, you cannot be on duty whilst you, just after you have... Not, not necessarily. Some, some jobs can be done completely blind drunk. I'm, I'm sure there's there's got to be something out there where so I, I, we could be drunk right now. If this was my job, if I was a radio presenter yeah. and I was hammered right now, yeah. and you don't know that I'm not, yeah. I'm I'm doing the job. So you can't fire me for being drunk on air, unless there's a rule somewhere in Cliff Central that says you may not be on the premises while under the influence of alcohol. So here I am, blind drunk, doing my job and doing it just fine. Thank you. Yeah. So you can't fire me for mm. that. Yeah, you've got a point there. But yeah. if I'm looking after your children, yes. yeah. And I'm driving your children around and I'm blind drunk, then we have a major, major, major problem. Because it's an inherent requirement of the job that you be, uh, sober. Yeah, that, that you be in the apps, you, you be clear of mind 
when you're looking after children and inside other people's houses. There's a houses. recent case on this one, if I'm not mistaken. Do you have it, Saul? Or Fan, do you know about it? Where it was decided that if you, as long as you can still do the job, you cannot be dismissed. I think that's the very point you're making. Well, we actually discussed a similar thing last week yeah. where uh, it had nothing to do with alcohol, but it was uh, the guy who was shot in, who, who had shot himself in the face. Yes. So he was still able to do the job, but they fired him for incapacity. Uh, and he, he, he got 36 months. 30 months. 30 months. 30 months. 24 plus 6. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a very similar situation. Uh-huh. But if you go back to liquor, you, you can't just fire someone for being drunk because it, it is sort of seen as, as an incapacity situation. Mm. And the, the Labor Relations Act, right at the end in the schedules, in the Code of Good Practice, they actually mention alcohol specifically and or, or, or other – I don't know if they mention other narcotics, but they do mention alcohol and they say you, you should – Send someone for counseling or for rehab, but how far you go is really um, it's it's quite subjective. Okay, so hold on a second. If my domestic worker is perceived to be drunk on duty, as this one is, mm. is it my obligation to send her for counseling? Well, you first, first need yeah. first you need to discuss it with her. Yes, because I, I think anyone who knows anything about addiction will tell you that the first Step to recovery is admitting that there is a problem yeah. And if she will not admit that there is a problem There's really nothing you can do You can't sense, you can't force someone to go to rehab If they refuse Then you can move on to disciplinary action But I first have to discuss it yes. Is that my obligation yes. in law? Yes Yeah, I've got to sit with her and say Look, let's talk about this yeah. I, I think you have a drinking problem I smell it on your breath You're sometimes a little unsteady do you have a problem? She says, no, I don't, you know, I not at all. I don't, drink, I don't drink. Don't drink at all. Yeah. So you've, you've acquitted yourself of your obligation to talk to her about it. Yes. The next thing is I say, well, then I want you to, I have, want you a to have a breathalyzer. breathalyzer. She says, no, I'm not prepared to. Yeah, that's a quite an interesting one. So it's the same way if I'm caught driving under the influence and the police want to take, to draw blood off me for the, uh, Investigation or the sampling, mm. are they allowed? Can I, I refuse? Think there's a presumption if you don't have it that you are over the limit. Oh, I, I, I think that would yeah. be. I think that would presumption would be contrary to the precept that you are innocent until proven no, no, guilty. No, definitely something. I know it. I just don't know offhand what it is, but you cannot refuse to blow into a breathalyzer or take a. Well, the blood, blood test must be done by a nurse. So they have to take mm-hmm. you to the station. The nurse yes. has to draw blood. You, you, they won't draw blood on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Well, they sometimes have these these vans. Mobile. Do they? Yeah, yeah, mobile. Mobile clinic. Yeah. Yes. No, you cannot you cannot get uh, get around it by saying, listen, I refuse to have a blood uh, a breathalyzer, so I'm, I'm innocent. Well, well, yeah. There is there's definitely a presumption, and it's also uh, it's also an offence not to not to have it. Definitely. N- to refuse to take a breathalyzer. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. So, um, so I know we didn't really answer that question. I'm not yeah. 100% sure what the answer would be. If she refuses to... If, you, to if she refuses to take a breathalyzer... Well, then you've got to rely on your you've got to rely. Surely, yeah, you've got, you've got the, sobri- the field test. You know, yeah. uh, does it... Does she, is, yeah. is, there, is there an odor? Is there yeah. an impaired speech? Yeah. Uh, impaired yeah, ability? Steadiness, those kind of issues. You know, yeah. And you would record all of that. You'd have to yeah. record all that. On, on, the, on, the, on the issue of recordal, 
it's very, I mean, you do a lot of this, and we, we all go to court. Uh, you, you must please record everything, every note, uh, take pictures. You know, we can't stress this you know, strongly. Evidence enough, is yeah. evidence, and you yeah. just the, the more you've got, the, the safer you are. Just keep it, keep keep records of we, everything. We often get asked, can I record a tele, uh, discussion with her? Can I put my cell phone on and record it? Of and course, of yes. course. Uh, and is that evidence acceptable in a court of law? Well, with <laughs> interesting that you ask that you, you can you can have evidence even if it's illegally obtained stand up in a court so in this case you you would have obtained it legally because you're a party to the discussion you sit yeah. down and you put your phone on to record you're in that discussion uh, the regulation of and in, of the regulation of interception of communications act rica rica yeah. mm-hmm. says that you if you're a party to a discussion mm-hmm. you, you you're allowed to record it mm-hmm. So if I'm talking, I can record. Uh, sorry, I'm digressing for a moment. If you talk to another attorney, attorney to attorney, yeah. and you record him, I think you're obliged to tell him in advance, I'm recording you. And if you don't, then you have a problem. It's not illegally obtained, but I think it's, uh, I think you could be uh, disciplined by the law society, something like that. Why you, is it? Why do you, between colleagues, I think you have to notify him. I'm recording this telephone. But why does it have to be that? Because uh, uh, there's a certain professional etiquette. I'm, no, th- I, this I, is just wrong. I don't think it's wrong. I think that that sometimes an attorney will talk to another attorney on a matter, in in, in pursuance of settling, yeah. to see if they can maybe. Uh, if they can maybe avoid going to court. And sometimes they say, well, maybe I can talk to my client and we can do it like this. And you can talk to your client and you can do it like that. But mm, I I suppose if if you don't want it on the front page of the newspaper, you shouldn't do it. (laughs) There was a case uh, some time ago where an attorney arranged with a colleague that they would postpone the case. Mm. So the attorney didn't arrive at court and he told his client the matter is going to be postponed. Unbeknown to the first attorney, the second attorney went to court. And told the magistrate that there was no one against him and no one there. And the magistrate granted judgment against the first attorney. And obviously that was very hurtful and uh, they had to apply for rescission of judgment, whatever it may be. I think the point we're making here is sometimes with some shark attorneys, and there are some, you have to record the telephone call. Certainly. I really think it's you know, only it's, fair. It's, it's critical. Yeah. When you arrange with your colleague, we're going to postpone the matter, and then he says yes, and then he goes to court and takes a judgment behind your back. Certainly. Well, I think we've got email these days. You'd have that discussion over and the phone, and yeah. then you would confirm by email and, yeah. and get your response, and that would, that would be your evidence. Yeah. It would be silly not to. Yes. In that kind of uh, yes. instance. Yeah. Absolutely. Not, not but then record. you charge your client for that email. And the telephone call. And the telephone call. And the recording. And the recording. And listening to the recording. To the recording. Well. Oh, my Lord. We can go on a bit. <laughs> and talking I about just it now on radio, we're going to charge for it as well. Oh. We're going to charge it very client. I just have to be careful with you guys around, <laughs> I must just say. We actually, you know, on, this, on that note, if I may, okay, I know we just, we, we're all over the place, but it's quite interesting. Um, legal fees. So let's just talk about that while we're here. If you cannot afford a lawyer, What's what's the answer? Pro bono. Well, let's talk about the various forms. I think uh, the one is legal aid. Yeah. Well, there's legal aid and there's pro bono. Yeah. They're quite quite distinct things. Yeah. Legal aid is, in terms of the constitution, everyone has the right to a fair trial, and the state will provide an attorney for you if you cannot afford one. Mm. Now, there's a means test. 
um, I think you, if you earn less than five and a half thousand rand a month or yes. something along those lines, yes. the state, if in a, in a criminal matter, this okay. is now in a criminal it matter. It has to be a criminal you, matter. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. If you've been charged, and and you're going to go to court and you can't afford a lawyer. The state has to provide one for you. Oh, okay. So this is designed for a guy who's been arrested. He's out of a job. Um, he's up for whatever it may be. The state has to give him legal aid mm. unless he's does not pass the means test. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, yeah. are legal aid lawyers the best lawyers that you can find? Or is well, it just people who are just newly qualified, thrown in the deep end, and now they are actually... Or is that a very unfair question to ask? It's a very ask? unfair question, Lance, because mm. we cannot be critical of a lawyer who's been appointed by the oh, state, okay. and the state is paying for the lawyer. Um, I can only tell you one thing, that these legal aid lawyers have a batch of cases. Yeah, they've got so to deal find, with such a I mean, massive case load. commercial crimes court recently. Yes. They, I mean, they have, they have tons of cases. It's, it's unlikely that they have the time. It's just one after yeah. the other. Uh, yeah. they, I mean, so they are overburdened with absolutely. so much work, yeah, and absolutely. obviously, it's going to. If you are overburdened, it's going to really affect the quality of the well, work e- that you produce. Either you become an absolutely amazing attorney, and you, and you you, know, you 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 know your matters inside out, and you can spot things, okay. just like that. It can really sharpen your mind that kind of caseload. But I think there may be a bit of fatigue and burnout, perhaps, That's in the same way. breath. Yeah, shame to them. Yep. It's like, um. Doctors in the public health They're mm. overburdened Yeah, so running 36-hour shifts, 48-hour yeah. shifts Just, you know, a nap in the break room And then back to You know, you've got to remember to, that yeah. a lawyer for a case Has got to put a massive amount of preparation in yeah. If he's going to plead not guilty True. So if he's got a, a hell of a workload He just doesn't have the time to put the, the, the effort in And it could be that many, in many cases People are pleading guilty Oh. Just to get the case finalized But I'm, I'm not suggesting that they're not doing a great job okay. But they are paid by the state mm-hmm. And they're legal aid lawyers In a criminal case Because there is a huge reputation going around Especially in our communities That legal aid lawyers are not the best And But we don't necessarily understand the history behind it That they're overburdened with so much work and Well the question yeah. is if you were, would, would you go to a legal aid lawyer Or a a private lawyer, if you could afford it, where would you go? I would probably go to a private lawyer. Hopefully, they would give me their time. And well, there's, you know, do you want Kerry Nell or do you want uh, yeah, so a, anyone else? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You, if, if, you, if it's your life on the line, you want the best. Yeah, and you will true. get the best you can afford. And if that's you true. can't afford, you'll get a legal aid guy who may be good and who may not be. I mean, the tragedy is that uh, there are many people that just can't afford a lawyer and they languish in prison for years and years. True. We had this recently, Lyons. Yes. Where a guy, where, where there with two or three of them got uh, life. Yeah. And they, yeah. Were, they were innocent all along. I mean, there's even there's people. There's a podcast out on that oh, no, one. True. There's even people who are sitting in prison. Uh, awaiting trial. Yeah. Awaiting trial prisoners who have pleaded not guilty. Yeah. And they're just, they haven't been granted bail or they couldn't afford it or it was, there wasn't someone looking after their interests and they're just sitting behind bars for, for years on end. Can, can you sue then the state if then you feel that you were injust, the injustice was actually, um, the answer, the answer you? is no because, uh, we, we found that out recently on the, on the, in the matter we did against, uh, where, where the, where the people were innocent and, and spent many years of their life in jail. The answer is you can't sue for that, unless it's malicious. If there's malicious prosecution, hard to prove as well, then you have a chance. But if the state is conve- if the prosecution has 
charged you and you, the, the court has found you guilty, that's it. You know? But this is quite sad, Gary, because then the, the wheel of justice is very slow to turn. And people's, we're talking about people's lives and their futures here. And yet, later on, then people just say, sorry, we realized there was a mistake. Now you are free to go. Psychologically, it has really molested you. You are just constipated with anger and you get out and you now act out your foolishness because now you don't know how to deal with everything. Yeah. And yet the state says, sorry, sorry, it's not good enough. I, I really you know, don't you know, lines, the uh, legal aid lawyers have to live with their own conscience. That's what I believe. If they know uh, that somebody is not guilty, it is their obligation legally and morally and in every way to plead not guilty for that person. If they told, listen, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I never did it. Uh, I'm not suggesting that they're forcing the people to plead guilty, but lack of time, I suppose, uh, doesn't give them the opportunity to really research these cases. The other, the other one, Saul, for free advice is the pro bono attorney. Yes, that would be in, in like civil matters mostly. Mm. It's um, the same as kind of it's, legal it's aid, a, but it's, it's yes. And every attorney, every practicing attorney, is is obliged to uh, do I think 24 hours of pro bono work per year. So they would take on, you know, a few matrim, uh, maintenance matters, if, wh- whatever they need yeah, well, to they do. They do all kinds of things. Yeah. Civil litigation, family law and labor law matters. Yes. They do all those. All kinds and of and anything, I think they do everything, the pro yeah. bono lawyers. They do everything. Yeah. I went but to it's, this, it's the yeah, same. There's a means test. Now, what I don't like about the means test, let's, let's, I don't know what the, what the criteria is for the pro bono lawyers, but the legal aid is five and a half thousand. And no, it's prob- it's, it's probably less than eight. Because I actually went to the Law Society, yeah. Fantastic. And uh, when you do the application, actually, okay. they give you, like, you have to uh, send through your three months uh, bank statement. Uh-huh. And if you are employed, your employment contract stating what position you are holding in that position uh, in the working uh, place, as well as how much you are earning. And thirdly, they also want to know if you then have any other assets that might actually be uh, put into one basket to really see if you really cannot afford the uh the services, the services of, an of, of, of an attorney so, so, forth. so you say eight thousand rand okay so yes. i i earn seven thousand nine hundred and ninety five rand a month yes and i have uh, an uno fire nineteen ninety whatever uno fire and that's that's where i'm at so i can get pro bono but if i earn eight thousand and five rand mm. i have to go and pay an attorney at a thousand rand an hour Who's going to take my entire monthly salary in one day? Uh, you, you're raising a, a very. Are you that attorney, so? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm the guy with the Uno Fire. <laughs> Let's but, talk about uh, the first uh, interview scheme by attorneys. This is a good one for anyone who may not know. The Attorneys' Profession through the law societies provides a free first interview uh, scheme. And that's making attorney services available to anyone for one free interview. What does that mean? That means you can go to an attorney mm-hmm. and he gives you a free consultation. Oh, is you that any attorney or do you have no, to be I on think, a list? No, there's a list of attorneys through the Law Society. Oh, okay. And do you, I think, I think me, I, if, you, if you want to pick a particular attorney, mm. you could go to the Law Society and say, listen, I really want to see attorney so-and-so. Can you please contact him and ask him if you'd see me okay. under the first free interview scheme okay so you don't volunteer to be part of that first no. first interview scheme does, does the law society just assign who they no feel? i think i'm not quite sure how that you get onto that list mm. but uh attorneys are quite happy to do this because they meet the client 
if the client has got a case, they say, look, you've, this is free, your first consultation. You've got a great case. You need to see a lawyer. He says, but you might, you're the lawyer I want. He says, cool, pay me. So lawyers are quite happy to do this, and uh, people get good advice. You get a free consultation from a prominent lawyer. But then isn't yeah. there, uh, isn't there uh, almost an incentive to tell someone that they have a case mm. so that you can get the work? Because no, mm. that's, that's what I was actually just about to ask, because every lawyer would certainly say, you do have a case. Mm-hmm. And that is why we have the defend attorneys and the other attorneys actually arguing a case. I think we like to think that lawyers are reasonably honest, and I don't think he's going to try mm-hmm. and profit off somebody who's come to him on a free consultation scheme. That's true. I, That's I really true. believe that. I think he's going to be downright forthright with you and say, listen, you're wasting your time, or you've got a good case. And if you've got a good case, you know you've got usually three years from the date the incident happened to sue so you could wait a while you know as long as you know listen i've got i've got a great case i'm going to wait out until i kind of raise some money and then i'm going to see the attorney or any attorney this is quite interesting because now we hear about other people going straight to the constitutional court yet there are certain there are regional courts then there are high courts supreme courts of appeal and so forth and so forth but some people can just go from Application to constitutional court. No, these are real. These have to be constitutional issues okay. of major importance, and the constitutional court's got to give you permission. You can't just rock up there, like um, uh, Bantu Halomisa is yeah, trying. Like yesterday's yeah, yeah. case. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't get to the constitutional court just like that. This is a serious issue. This. But why didn't they go to the Supreme Court? Of because Appeal, it's a example? constitutional issue, and you want to get the the top court in the land to endorse this to say the ballot will be secret or it won't be oh yeah but how much does it cost does it cost a lot fortunes line well you need you need proper i mean you you need counsel you need need advocates you need lawyers you need to prepare the law uh the constitutional court's not going to allow you to run and it's urgent so these guys are working overnight you know All through the night to get so these cases together. This is basically for people who do have money. Let's say a community, for example, El Dorado Park, for example, and they feel that their matter is a constitutional matter. Can they really mobilize themselves and go to the Constitution Court and say, This is our issue, and we feel that the government is actually not listening to our cries, and we want you to force the government to do something about this? Yeah, as I said, if it's of major importance on a constitutional issue, you, you could get permission to go there. Straight. Let's okay. talk about something that's been making the news, and it's been making fat news. It's the, <laughs> <laughs> it's the woman who uh, is is really upset about SAA. You know the storylines you've been following. Oh yeah, that I mean yeah. this is so unfair to people who are over uh, who are full figured. Us skinny bitches don't <laughs> <laughs> don't really have a problem. But how about people who are actually overweight? Sorry, what's the story? Okay, this is the South African Airways client that was fat-shamed over the seatbelt. So do you know the story? Oh, my goodness. She's the one that got onto the the plane. She was on the plane. She was on the plane. And the plane was taxiing. Yeah, to to take off. Yeah, and, and she said, and "I wanted, I can't get the seatbelt around me. Presumably, I need the extension." The extender. They said we haven't got. But why would they not have? Yeah, yeah. they should yeah. actually have. Well, I, I think it's I gone th- past three. I, I think, think they, they must they have. They, they have. must have. Even the one that they used to do the safety. You know, they do that little safety oh, show yeah. at the beginning with a little dance, and then they and, and nobody watches it because everyone's 
seen it a hundred. Nobody, <laughs> you know, this is how to do your belt buckle. Yes, we know. You know, it's not very complicated. We all have iPads and things. We're quite technically savvy. We can deal with the seat belt. But let me tell you what aggravates me, Saul. Yeah. <coughs> assuming that I, you and I were on the plane and we had to get to a case in Durban or wherever the plane was going. Can you imagine? The plane is now delay, delayed because SAA didn't have an extended seat belt. We m- arrive late or whatever it may be. Do we have, and all the other passengers, a claim for damages against SAA? We should. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Should. But uh, The other thing is, I mean, the woman gets on the plane. She's She's... I've seen a picture of her. She's obviously obese. The chief purser or steward, whatever you call him, or lady, they should check whether there's an extended seatbelt before they take off. Well, that would be, yeah. I mean, a reasonable expectation. Sure. A reasonable person who works on an aeroplane yeah. should know that they should they should know how long their seatbelts are, and and they should know the size of people that would need the extender. Yeah, they, they they work there, it's, and it would be a reasonable expectation. I think a reason. I think they've been negligent. Is it her fact. obligation to say, "Hey guys, I'm I'm on the plane. Please I think have she, you got an extended seatbelt?" I think you? I think she's entitled to assume that they have one. Yes, because they're, they're obliged to have one. I, I believe they're. But I think they say. I think on their own version say that. It's part of the equipment they're supposed to have. I'm so sorry, yeah. but this go. just sparked a question. Yeah. What if I'm, over, I'm, I'm, I'm obese, but I can't fit into the chair? Does then that give me another right for the SAA to really have extended chairs for people like myself? No, they'll put obese. you in first class line, don't worry. But first class... The <laughs> <laughs> How can if you I can't fit into the seat, you're obliged to buy two seats. Really? Really? Well, what must you? What must they do? It's not their fault that you, you know, you, you know the size of the seat. But if, you must also cater for people like myself. I didn't choose to be like this. It might be genetic. Yeah, but if you, uh, if I you, hear you, I'm not knocking the. If the, you get, yeah. if you get a meter, I must get a meter. But remember, I'm a skinny bitch, so but I'm me. paying the same price as you. So what? What? As as a skinny guy myself, mm-hmm. there's a few things that actually annoy me. I pay excess baggage. Mm-hmm. If I'm flying somewhere and I've got a heavy suitcase, I pay excess. I pay, I pay whatever it is, two kilos over, pay. Mm. Bam, they hit, they, and they're not shy. You pay. But the guy behind me. Victor Matfield's behind you. Victor Matfield is standing right behind me. He's in the queue right behind me. And he's got little, he's got day, he's just got a, a day pack. And he puts his day pack on and it weighs two kilograms. And he doesn't have to pay anything. But Victor Matfield himself weighs four times what I weigh. Why don't I get a discount? Because I weigh Oh, no, 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 no. Come no, on. we can't go there now. Come, Come on. on. No, it's just really unfair because they did not choose. Some of them, it's genetics. And at the end of the day, if we then have to really now look at the weight yeah, of the person, I, how much I, we charge them, then everybody has to go on the scale. Then we start fine. charging based on how much you weigh as per the scale. And then if it's fair. I, you pay per kilogram. You buy, you buy your ticket per kilogram. I think Saul's been a bit flippant, Lance. Let's talk, go back to the <laughs> obese woman who a little rightly, rightly felt humiliated. Because they made, be. a, they made a, a song and dance about it. When I mean, they came back, they said uh, they made some announcement. And they, and they, she could also yeah. have a claim, but I don't think she would claim. She, I, don't think I think she's be been offered some free Voyager miles, if I'm not mistaken, <sighs> 30,000 or something. I'm oh. not quite sure what the amount is. So, uh, no, you can't treat people like that. You can't make a you fool really of them when you yourself have been negligent in yeah. not putting the uh, extended seatbelt. It's a lot like what I said just now. If you don't want it on the front page of the newspaper, yeah. you probably shouldn't do it. So if, if, you're, if you're happy to have the whole world know that, that you are 
prejudiced against overweight people, then by all means, do it. I think this woman's got a claim for, for defamation. There's no doubt she, her feelings were hurt here. Mm. Definitely. How, how much you, How much do you put on, on that? Well, that's the problem. I don't know not what you put on that. So but much. it depends who she is, Lines. She may be a prominent businesswoman. I'm, I'm not quite sure who she is. And uh, she may have known people on the flight. It was embarrassing for her. Absolutely. Everyone is laughing about it. Even, I think, the pilot made an announcement. I may be wrong in the facts. But... Uh, they said that uh, they had to turn back because of her kind of thing. And then ah, when the seatbelt came back, they made a fool of her. And that's what's upset her. No, no. That's, that's really not, unfair. That's Very not professional unfair. For, for the particular company. So is this that. SAA? Yeah. And they're supposed to be, yeah. Our well, national carrier? I think, sure, that, I think they might also have a, a director who doesn't have metric. If I'm not we were mistaken. talking about recording calls and all that earlier. And I, th- I think we may have... Skipped most of the good parts. What was the answer? You can record calls. I think we covered that. Oh yeah, I was yeah. I was touching on whether or not you can use illegal illegally obtained evidence in a court. Yeah. Uh, a recent case, um, two partners in a business had split up, and uh, the one partner wanted to enforce a restraint of trade, I believe, and his his admin person hacked into the other guy's Facebook account. Maybe not hacked. Maybe he'd, he'd had it on his computer and the, and the password was stored or whatever it is. Mm. It's, it's, it, we're, we're so slack with our personal data these days. Mm-hmm. So the admin woman got into his Facebook and started downloading his private messages. Is it really legal? Not legal. Absolutely. Complete mm. invasion of privacy. But the court said, we can still use this evidence. Whether or not this man wants to claim against you for breaching his privacy, that's another story. But uh, we, the court, in this matter, will take these messages and accept them into evidence. Because they were messages to uh, existing clients, potential clients, stealing the clients away from the original company. Mm. So even though they'd gotten these these messages that's, illegally... This, this is unusual, Saul. This is not it, normally... It's quite unusual, yes. Yeah. But Normally, e- illegally obtained information is illegal. And I think that's the point that's been raised in the Parktown boys coach, who's alleged to have... Mem- oh, yeah. Yes, they're saying that you shouldn't have come and searched our house yeah. while we weren't there. Mm. I don't think it helps him much. If, even if you exclude the evidence inside the house, they've got the video evidence and they've got... The, the best evidence is testimony. Yeah. We've got one more from a listener. It's got nothing to do with labor. I'm going to read it out. I rented an apartment which was not newly painted and had a very lived-in kind of feel. The carpets were worn, the place generally shabby, but I got it as at a great rental. We lived there for two years, and when we left, the landlord claimed that we left the place in a mess and he now needs to repaint and that we must contribute towards his painting the listener goes on to something here to do with cockroaches or something. We'll come to that. Let's just talk about painting and uh, what the law is here. This is very common. Landlord and tenant withholding deposits, all that kind of stuff is very, very common, very unfair towards tenants and sometimes toward landlords. Uh, what's your feel on this one, Saul? Well, it's, I, think, I think everybody knows that when you move into a place, you need to, you need to have a, a pre-inspection. You go through and you say, well, that, that cupboard's broken and this carpet's got a hole and there's a, there's a burn in the floor here and there's a, that and there's this. And 
and you make a list and you know sometimes the the landlord will will fix certain things and sometimes he won't sometimes they'll just accept that that thing is in that condition at the start and then at the end of the lease or when it's terminated there needs to be an exit inspection which compares the state of the property at the beginning with the state of the property at the end and i think that's got to happen within 7 days yeah. of the termination of the it's lease it's usually in the lease agreement yes if if there is one and there will be a pre-inspection and make a list of whatever you say is wrong even if it's not in the lease, oh. the uh, the Rental Housing Act yes. says that these that it's like a it's a basic con- it's like the basic condition of lease. Oh. Even if it's not in your actual lease agreement, it's it's like a, a standard provision. Yeah. You can you can deem it to be it, it, you can deem it to be there. Um, so what has happened here is the landlord is saying. I need to repaint the place because you left it in a terrible condition, kind of, and uh, you must pay. You must contribute to Well, here's a question. If it was yeah. shabby to start with, yeah. and two years down the line or three years down the line, uh. now you're telling me you have to paint it, but you, you would... You what know, happens if there are scratch marks anyway. if uh, you know, your kids have scratched all over the place, mm-hmm. your, your chairs reasonable. created a groove in the, in the wall? Uh, reasonable wear and tear yeah. is... Uh, is different to like damage, yeah. you know. If you've if you've bashed a hole in the wall with your chair, then that could be seen as damage. Yeah. But what if if you were to go there and polyfill it, it, it? There's degrees of damage. If it's a small amount of damage, I feel that the the tenant should be given the opportunity to rectify. Absolutely, um, yeah. you've got to be given that chance. The mm-hmm. landlord can't just paint it or fix it. He's got to say to you, "I'm giving you the opportunity." To fix or, or f- fix up what's been scratched or whatever, and uh, then uh, that's it. Hmm. Wow! Yep. And I mean, if w- once you, I think once you've paid the deposit back, I don't, I don't think there's much to be claimed. The problem, Saul, is that in most cases the landlord won't release the deposit. He says, "Look, I'm holding on to it. You messed up the place." Well, and people <laughs> and people are saddled with this constantly. Constantly. I, I believe it. I do believe it. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, everyone's struggling. Even the landlord wants to make his and his his fair share. I think. That, I think one of the practical answers is take a picture of the premises before you move in. Make sure you've got every nook and cranny covered, and take it afterwards. If there's a fair wear and tear, then there's no responsibility on your part. If you mm. mess up the premises, you damage them. There could be. Absolutely. You put your foot through the door, there's, yeah. there's, that's damage. Yeah. But what happens when uh, there are damages that the landlord has to fix? For example, let's say the geezer burst, mm. and this is like a wear and tear kind of a situation, and the landlord doesn't want to really fix it, and you take your money and you fix it. When you want to move out and you want to really put the cost to the landlord and the landlord refuses what can you possibly you've do you've got to sue the bastard that's what you've got to do and that's what people do they go to yeah, the small you go to the rent, court or, or the, the rental, rental house and tribunal yeah one of those you've got to sue if the landlord won't fix the geezer while you're there mm-hmm. it's his obligation mm-hmm. and is it free to go to these um, housing yeah, completely, associations completely. to really sue yeah the rental housing tribunal now, people free. I think then they must explore those avenues Absolutely. and really be told about them just so that at least they can really there's, there's some very comprehensive guides available online uh, you just need to get your google foo on and you can find these these guidelines on how to approach the rental housing okay. tribunal that's great no, that's very informative. some good ones yeah 
that does away with these radio shows, Saul. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> please, can we strike that from the record? Yeah. <laughs> Dismissed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been so interesting. Uh, the, the cockroaches, quickly, we've got a minute or two. Someone I know said that the landlord wanted to fumigate the place after he moved out, saying there were cockroaches left by the by him. I mean, we, co- yeah. You know what? I had yeah. cockroaches in my apartment, yeah. and it had nothing to do with me. Because, I mean, jeepers, my wife would lose her mind. Um, She'll never hear this. Or you good. Won't play it so we had these, these neighbors, these, these three young guys in, in their early 20s, young guys, not good at cleaning house. They, you know, they partied. They, had, they, you know, they, were, they were nice guys. Yeah. But, you know, takeouts and party. And, and I don't think their fridge worked for a while. <laughs> you know, and, and things lay around. And they, were, they weren't the cleanest guys because they're young guys. They're just... I get it. It's it's cool, but it wasn't cool because they got cockroaches, and and I live next door, and my door is four inches from their door. Wow, you know, maybe six inches. It's, it depends on on it depends on how big the fish was that you caught. So we got cockroaches. So, so, had, so everyone that comes to Saul for advice on cockroaches says, no, it's the neighbor's cockroaches. Yeah. It's the neighbor's fault. And Saul has become an expert on cockroaches. It's always the neighbor. It's never they could come yeah. from anywhere. They really, really could. And, and you know what? There's, they're seasonal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, they, they, some years you won't see them. In some years they're there. It's like mole cricket. Some years you don't see a single mole cricket. And that's some a part-time years you do. prawn, a mole cricket. No, no. It is. It's, it's called a – I think that's what no, it's called. No, yeah, yeah, the yeah. part-time prawn is a big red It's nunu. called a mole cricket. No, the mole cricket is the little guy that yeah. looks prehistoric. Yeah, anyway, I may be wrong. Um, yeah, we're going to have an argument. I'm going to check it up. So yeah, we should. Whether, no, uh, the red nunu is – I think a part-time uh, prawn is a mole cricket, but I may be wrong. I'm going to stand my ground on that one. It's oh, been a lovely yeah. show. It's been so interesting. Great. Um, thank you very much, Lance. Did it's you enjoy yourself? No, I really did. It's very yeah. informative, cool. yeah. interesting stuff, law and everything else. Yeah, we, Saul and I can go on forever. I mean, we love the topic. So and I hope yeah. that uh, Games of Thrones is yeah, coming well, through and we'll end. actually catch on that. When's Season Game of Thrones? Seven. When's that start? Uh, 16th July, I think. You know, I only just recently finished the last season. Just recently. Oh, I didn't know what everyone was talking about when, when there was tears all over Facebook about hold the door. And I was like, what are you people talking oh. about? And I must be cold at heart. No, because it's going to be very interesting. When I saw that scene. Mother of Dragons. Hmm. She's taking over. Anyway, thank you to all of you, to our listeners. Many <laughs> thanks for listening. And From uh, Laws to Game of Thrones yeah. to everything in between. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. This is CliffCentral.com.